Hoboken was originally an island surrounded by the Hudson River on the east and tidal lands to the west, a campsite in the territory of Hackensack, a land of the Lenny Lenape who used the rock found there to carve pipes. Now, Hoboken lies on the west bank of the Hudson between Weehawken and Union City on the north with Jersey City's county seat to the southwest. With a total area of just 2.01 square miles, of which nearly half are located in the water, Hoboken is a special and unusual place with a glorious history that in many ways altered the culture of the region. Today, we discover the rise and fall of Hoboken, New Jersey. I'm your host, Ryan Sokash, and you're watching It's History. The regions of Delaware, New Jersey, Southern New York, and Eastern Pennsylvania were inhabited and controlled by a tribe called the Lenny Lenape, which means men of men, but has been translated to mean original people. It is believed that around 1600, the tribe had 20,000 people throughout these regions. The Lenny Lenape and other Native American tribes have been estimated to have ruled over these lands for some 10,000 years. The name Hoboken, likely originated from the natives' classification of the grounds, which they called a similar equivalent, translating to land of the tobacco pipe, and refers to the green-colored rock they used to carve tobacco pipes. It's unknown how long the tribe would have presided over the specific area that is now Hoboken, but we know that they were inhabiting this land when outsiders arrived. It is said that Harry Hudson was the first European to lay claim to this area. Hudson was an Englishman sailing for the Dutch East India Company who anchored his ship, the Half Moon, at Weehawken Cove on October the 2nd, 1609. Soon after, it became part of the province of New Netherland. He also noted green-colored rock, which was abundant in volume and size. It's important to emphasize here that the arrival of colonizers in present-day America exploded around this time. By the mid-1600s, the Dutch had a significant presence, particularly on the island of Manhattan. From the early voyage of Henry Hudson to this point of Dutch prominence, much happened between outsiders and the Lenny Lenape, including battles known as the Pig War, the Whiskey War, and so on. As you might imagine, these battles didn't bode well for the natives, nor do those account for the full extent of conflicts during the time period. Hence, in 1658, the Dutch bought the land where present-day Hoboken stands, trading a wampum used for jewelry, clothing, kettles, guns, belts, and beer. They made an acquisition that would strongly define the region. This sale of territory represented just one of many similar occurrences in the area and in the country that seemingly marked the beginning of the end of Native American control in America. The concept of land ownership was likely utterly foreign to Native Americans. It's been widely speculated that the natives interpreted the sale as an agreement to cohabitate on the land, not to be removed from it. From this point on, the Lenny Lenape faced more conflict, unfavorable treatment, displacement, or forced assimilation in New Jersey and beyond. After the sale of this land, they rarely appeared in the history books of Hoboken. 
Arguably, the most pivotal moment in Hoboken's history happened in 1784, when Colonel John Stevens bought this portion of New Jersey. He purchased the land at a public auction for roughly $90,000. Stevens would permanently settle on the name Hoboken and change the would-be city's entire trajectory. Three years after Stevens bought the land, New Jersey became a state, the third to ratify the U.S. Constitution and the first to sign the Bill of Rights. Stevens created Hoboken's orderly street pattern, bringing consistency and coherence to its architecture. The township of Hoboken was formed and separated from North Bergen in 1849. The city itself was incorporated on March the 28th, 1855. Hoboken has 48 streets laid out in a grid. Many north-south streets were named for United States presidents, Washington, Adams, Madison, and Monroe. Though Clinton Street likely honors the 19th century politician as opposed to the memorable president of the 1990s. The numbered streets running east-west start two blocks north of Observer Highway with 1st Street, with the grid ending close to the city lines at 16th Street near Weehawken Cove. Neighborhoods in Hoboken often have vague definitions making downtown, midtown, and uptown subjective. Castle Point, The Projects, Hoboken Terminal, and Hudson T are distinct enclaves at the city's periphery. Finally, as it transforms from its previous industrial use to a residential district, the Northwest is a name being used for that part of the city. Beyond giving Hoboken's official name, Stevens and his family did so much to make the city into what it would become. Stevens, for one, brought it much attention and novelty. As an inventor, he received one of the first American patents, which he used for a steam engine application. Some years later, the first steamboat, Little Juliana, the first driven by two screw propellers, steamed across the Hudson from Battery Park to Hoboken. In 1826, he also designed and built the first steam-driven locomotive in the U.S., which Stevens operated in Hoboken. In the early 19th century, Colonel John Stevens developed the waterfront as a resort for Manhattanites. The waterfront defined Hoboken as an archetypal port town and powered its economy from the mid-19th to 20th century, by which time it had become essentially industrial. The large production plants of Lipton Tea and Maxwell House and the dry docks of Bethlehem Shipping Corporation dominated the northern port for many years. And the aforementioned inventions did not only bring attention to Hoboken, but in large part led to it becoming a hub for transportation. Though Colonel Stevens passed away in 1838, his family continued to build the legacy of Hoboken. Many of the 19th century buildings that still stand today were erected due to the efforts of his family. They also created Hoboken's organized street pattern, which is present today. Their name is honored at the Stevens Institute of Technology, one of the country's top engineering schools. Hoboken's rapid growth from 1860 to 1910 and its role as the gateway to America brought many immigrants from Europe to the city. The Germans were the first, and German became the dominant language throughout Hoboken. After World War I, however, the city's ethnic character changed. Germans were followed by Irish, Italians, Yugoslavians, Latinos, and Asian Indians, literally transforming the city into the poster child of the American melting pot. The city's role as a leading port played significantly in World War I, serving as the port 
that saw off three million American troops. Essentially, the town was the last stop for soldiers before being sent to the biggest war in history at the time. Hence comes the famous slogan, Heaven, Hell, or Hoboken by Christmas. Hoboken would become a frequently visited and utilized place for celebrities of the late 18th and early 19th centuries after Stevens created what is known as the Turtle Club, which according to many is considered to be America's first social club. The Turtle Club had many prominent members, including George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, Benjamin Franklin, and many more. The club eventually moved out of Hoboken many years later and into NYC, renaming itself the New York Turtle Club. However, the club seemingly fell out of prominence and eventually apart in the early 20th century. As the story goes, the creation of the Turtle Club happened when Stevens' new estate was overrun with snapping turtles, which kept eating his chickens. He invited his wealthy buddies from the island of Manhattan over for a turtle feast, and the day was deemed a success the Hoboken Turtle Club was born. Surprisingly, the first official recorded baseball game occurred in Hoboken in 1846 between Kickboxer Club and New York Nine at Elysian Field. In 1845, the Kickboxer Club, which Alexander Cartwright had founded, began using Elysian Field to play baseball due to the lack of suitable grounds in Manhattan. The team members included the St. George's Cricket Club players, the brothers Harry and George White, and Henry Chadwick, the English-born journalist who coined the term America's pastime. By the 1850s, several Manhattan-based members of the National Association of Baseball Players were using the grounds in Hoboken as their home field. However, the prominence of Elysian Fields diminished after two main baseball fields were constructed in Brooklyn. Sybil's Cave, a cave with a natural spring, was opened in 1832, and visitors came to pay a penny for a glass of water that was said to have medicinal powers. In 1841, the cave became a legend when Edgar Allan Poe wrote The Mystery of Marie Roguette about an event that took place there. This was Poe's first story that took place around an actual crime. And might I add, to anyone who hasn't read this poem, it is a stirring piece of Hoboken history. Anyhow, the cave was closed in the late 1880s after the water was found to be contaminated and it was sealed off in the 1930s, filled with concrete. On a brighter note, Hoboken saw a glorious day on December the 12th, 1915, when Frank Sinatra was born to Italian immigrants, Natalie or Dolly and Anthony Marty Sinatra. Marty, a boxer, went by the name of Marty O'Brien to gain access to the town's Irish-only gyms. Although Sinatra ended up living elsewhere, he was born and raised in Hoboken. In 1945, director Elian Kazan filmed the classic American crime drama on the waterfront in Miles Square City, forever earning Hoboken a place in cinematic history. Actually, this film marked one of the earliest occurrences of a big motion picture filming on location rather than in studio, which has since been common throughout New York City and cinema worldwide. On the Waterfront was shot almost entirely on location in Hoboken and featured appearances by real dock workers and police officers. The film raked in eight Oscars, including a Best Actor Prize for star Marlon Brando. And when it comes to show business, that's not the end. 
the town has also been featured in other films such as Funny Girls, 1968, The Station Agent, 2013, Julie and Julia from 2009, as well as Eric Clapton's 1996 music video for Change the World. So with Hoboken having some of the greatest encapsulations of American history, from the archetype of the melting pot to the first recorded baseball game, you might be wondering, where was the downturn? Hoboken eventually met a fate similar to New York City in the 1970s, a complete economic downturn. And although gentrification was prominent, Hoboken experienced a wave of fires, mostly arson, destroying buildings, businesses, and homes. Crime was also up, and the once critical shipping port had become outdated with containerization. Containerization brought about the need for bigger ships and more oversized ports to handle the influx of containerized goods. This need was likely too much for the small Hoboken port to operate efficiently. This downturn in Hoboken essentially marked the end of the city's classification as a blue-collar city. During the late 1970s and 1980s, the city witnessed a speculation spree fueled by transplanted New Yorkers and others who bought many turn-of-the-20th-century brownstones in neighborhoods that the still solid middle and working-class population had kept intact. This movement caught the eye of both local and out-of-town real estate investors who also began to buy up the late 19th-century tenements. Then, Applied Housing, a real estate investment firm, took advantage of U.S. government incentives to renovate, quote, substandard housing in order to receive subsidized rental payments, commonly known as Section 8, which triggered low-income displacement. This was perhaps the moment that Hoboken attracted many artists, musicians, upwardly mobile commuters known as yuppies and the bohemian types, interested in socioeconomic possibilities and a way to escape the challenges of a bankrupt New York for a new town with beautiful aesthetics, both in its civic and commercial architecture, a sense of community and relatively cheaper renting prices, all with the benefit of Manhattan being a quick train hop away. Today, Hoboken is full of mostly young people and New York City commuters. In recent years, the once blue-collar city run by ports has pivoted, now being considered a desirable spot. Hoboken hosts numerous festivals, bars, restaurants, shops, and more. And it's pretty amazing when you consider that its history and its current popularity is so much larger than its geographical size. And in some ways, it sticks to its roots, remaining an important transportation hub for the tri-state area. Hoboken has the highest public transportation use of any city in the United States. With the city's waterfront opposite of New York, Hoboken established itself as a rail and water transportation center. Hoboken Terminal, located at the city's southeast corner, is a national historic landmark built in 1907 by the Delaware, Lackawanna, and Western Railroad. The terminal is the original slash destination point for several modes of transportation and an important hub within the New York, New Jersey metropolitan region's public transportation system. Many of New Jersey Transit's main lines terminate in Hoboken. In fact, the Hudson Bergen Light Rail has three stations in Hoboken alone, but crossing the Hudson's never been easier. PATH is a 24-hour subway system from Hoboken Terminal to 33rd Street Manhattan, World Trade Center, 
Journal Square, and Newark Penn Station. And let's not forget the New York Waterway Ferry Service making Hudson River crossings from Hoboken Terminal and 14th Street to Battery Park City Ferry Terminal, Wall Street Pier 11, and West Midtown Ferry Terminal in Manhattan. I'd like to end this video with something of a personal observation when it comes to my own first memories of Hoboken, New Jersey in the 1980s. For the lack of better words, I recall the place as a kind of scary wasteland, hence the video title, The Rise and Fall of Hoboken. I believe many fall into the same category with regards to this type of perception. However, Hoboken has a vibrancy and energy rare to cities its size. Sidewalk cafes, exciting shops, period buildings, street fairs, the Hudson River walkway, and a busy street life combined to make Hoboken a colorful and distinctive urban square mile. Hoboken has been home to many celebrities, historical figures, movies, and businesses, with a culture defined by events dating back from its origins as the land of tobacco pipes, to its present day as the land of taco pizza, with great views of Manhattan, endless activities and influx of young residents, it would only seem that the town's brightest days are still ahead. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to catch our new videos every Thursday and Saturday. Consider hitting the join button if you'd like to support the channel and experience our tours of urban decay. And don't miss our playlist on New Jersey history. Until next time, this is Ryan Sokash signing off.